Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Something I think about often in life is how, as humans, we can prepare ourselves for the sections of our lives that feel as though we must fight to move through. What I have noticed in working with dozens of clients on the challenges in their lives is that it is those individuals who embrace the times in which they must fight for their lives they know they deserve that ultimately end up seeing life happen for them rather than to them. Today's guest on the show is no stranger to embracing the fight of life. He is a professional UFC fighter, currently holding a record of 11 and 5, is committed to building the best version of himself humanly possible, and is a Massachusetts local, which means all of you listening get to hear us exchange energy live Live and in person, which are the episodes that always end up being my favorite to be a part of. So please help me in welcoming my man, Slippery Pete Barrett, to the show. Pete, what's up, dude? How That's you doing? What's up? That Hell was a yeah. great intro. Thank you, bro. I'm flattered. Dude, I'm so excited to be here with you, man. We were just chatting before the show about how it's been a while since I've been in person with someone doing a podcast. It's been a while since you've been in person. It's amazing to have the energy exchange in person. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And, and like, you get to look at this, you know, really cool <laughs> backdrop of black and white photos, and I have an awesome view of, of Quincy Bay. Yes. Of Quincy dude. Marina. Not Marina, but, you know, that's Quincy. Boston Harbor right out yeah. there. Yeah. And I had to give you that view. You know, I've had it enough times where I was like, listen, I got to let you have the view. Oh, you know, yeah. It was only right, you know? Definitely. <laughs> so, dude, you know, I, as I was talking to you about before the show, you know, I love getting into like the the minds of the people that I interview and figure out like how you got to where you are today. And I imagine that's a long story, but, you know, I'm sure there are certain things that stick out as being pivotal moments for you where, you know, you had a dark night of the soul, maybe you moved through it and you were ultimately able to conquer your life and continue owning your life up until today. So I'd love if you could bring us through the highlights of like how you got into fighting, what it represents to you, you know, what else your life was all about and really like how you got to right here today, standing in front of me, sitting in front of me. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, traditional upbringing, I suppose, you know, my, uh, I mean, it's, it's American as you can get my, my mom and dad had three kids. They got divorced when I was, you know, I think, I think I was about three right after my younger brother was born. And then my dad got remarried a few years later and had seven kids with my stepmom. So, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 10 direct, you know, or 10 direct. I have a stepsister. My mom, my stepmom had a daughter before my dad and stepmom got together. And then when my mom finally remarried, I got four stepsisters on that side. And that was like way later on in life. I was, you know, a generation ahead of us, but, uh, one of 15, you know, living the American dream and, um, played the traditional sports growing up. I think that's where I started with that, you know, uh, Taekwondo when I was a kid and then football, baseball, soccer turned into football, lacrosse. In wrestling in high school and, and really fell in love with wrestling and, and to an extent where I quit playing other sports and just focused on wrestling, which, you know, kind of like lit a fire in me where I got to really see like an instant feedback. Like, okay, if I work on this and I do this, this move will start working and I'll start winning. If I work on this, you know, it's like instant feedback. You know, you, you see your progression every year and you work on things and things you weren't getting at the beginning of the season, you're hitting with ease by the end of the season. And I think that's where I kind of like fell in love with this competitive nature of, of like combat sports because, mm. you know, finished up high school, went to college, played rugby in college, you know, had a blast playing rugby because it was like the ultimate like bro sash. Like we're going to go <laughs> yes. smash heads with these dudes and then we're going to go get shit faced together and yes. like we're going to party like assholes. We're going to work like 
it was like, you know, a hundred miles in each direction. We're going to work our ass off because we were a, a pretty good rugby club, mm. but we were also mad men. And we also, you know, partied like any D one football team would, you know what I mean? So get through college, have a falling out with my rugby coach, get involved with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. This is how I'm, I'm at this point. So let me localize this for everybody. I, I grew up in Abington, South shore of Boston. I went to, to BC high in Dorchester. And then I went to Regis university in Denver. So we're in Denver right now. I'm finishing up rugby. I'm getting involved with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. There was a, a local standout, this kid, Brandon Thatch, now a UFC veteran, uh, had an opportunity to go train with him. And like, they're like, Oh, this kid can wrestle like sweet. Get him to team training. We need yeah. wrestlers. And my senior year spring break, instead of like going away and partying, they're like, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you come down and train with the team. And right. it just, things just started like clicking. I felt like, wow, this is like the team that I've been looking for. This is like this, the next progression of like how to continue staying competitive after like high school sports. And one thing led to another work relationships. I had, I quit training there for a few years while I was, you know, or for, for a year while I was finishing up in Denver, ended up moving home to better my situation on all aspects. You know, I was a party animal, a club <laughs> rat, working at all the big clubs in Denver all, all the while going through school. And I mean, if you have a vivid imagination, it probably happens. <laughs> so it was so fun that my parents convinced me to move home to get my life under control. My cousin was fighting and, you know, he had to pass my house every day to get to the MMA gym that he was training at. So I'm like, yo, just pick me up on your way by. One thing led to another, took my first fight and boom, I'm, I'm in love. And not only did I take my first fight, I lost my first fight. Mm. And I'm like, I'm looking at my coach and I'm like, Mike, get me another fight tonight. That was bullshit. I got fucking robbed. <laughs> like, how did he win? This yeah. and that, you know, it was a split decision. Went to the other guy and it was pretty much like a hockey fight for 15 minutes. And we just stood in the middle of the cage and punched each other. Like hoping what, like, like rock'em, sock'em robot. We both looked like we got run over by a bus. Like we, we just sat there and beat the shit out of each other. But it was really cool because I wasn't satisfied with my performance. I felt like I could have done so much better. And it was like this huge fire was lit underneath my ass. And, and, and of course, like all the while I know that, you know, Part of getting into fighting was, yeah, it was appealing because I thought I was a tough guy. Mm. You know, obviously I played all the physical sports growing up, ended up with a rugby club, got into plenty of fights, working security at bars and clubs all through college, a couple backyard fights, like a couple <laughs> memorable backyard fights where I was on the other end of, of getting my ass whooped. Yeah. But still, you know, it was always, you know, I, let's go back to being one of three boys with a single mom, mm. you know, raising us in like we never made it from beginning to end at any family party with my mom it was like, Oh, Mary and the boys are here. Let's see how long they last. And, <laughs> you know, first hour would be great. Second hour would be a little more difficult. Third hour, Cole's beating the shit out of Peter. Max is on top of him, holding him while he's punching him. Giving and like him a suplex, oh, you know, man, we were just like, it was always my poor mom. She's a saint, but like <laughs> we used to beat the shit out of each other. My dad was always physical with us growing up, we wanted tough kids, you know, we wanted, wanted tough kids. So it was like, if we were playing with dad, we were slinging five stars around and, and, and seeing who could get who the best. And we call them stingers, you know, cause they stung like a motherfucker. But this is my dad with like, you know, three kids under the age of 10 playing a game called like, like essentially playing slap back with each other. Yeah. Right? He's like, Oh, you want And then we chase each other around. Bam! But it was fair game. Like that was like the only time we could hit our dad back and we wouldn't get 
screamed for it. So yeah. we're like, all right, let's go, we're big man. We, we got it. We're yeah. on, you know? And like, but that's just the way we were raised. So get back to fighting now. Yeah. Yeah. Tough guy feeling like I had something to prove, you know, never, you know, we'll go again. And he never felt like I was taken seriously as, uh, as a male, you know, it was someone's little brother growing up. So I always, I always had a chip on my shoulder, something to prove. Mm. Oh, that's Cole's little brother. That's Cole's little brother. Fuck him. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's Cole's <laughs> yeah. So I always felt like I had something to prove. And I went to BC high. They all went to Abington high. So there was like, boom, another chip. Oh, he went to BC high. Fuck mm-hmm. him. If you guys are local, you'll understand the undertones of all those jokes yes. and whatnot. It was an all guys <laughs> high school. My, my buddy, my brother, my older brother, his friends, they were like the first team to win the Super Bowl. And now they've won the Super Bowl like every other year since then. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they were the first like group of kids that put the athletics for that football program on the map. And they, it's like varsity blues. They'll still tell you about it. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so there was always like a chip, you know what I mean? Between us. So like that does a lot to you growing up feeling like you got something to prove and fighting was a great way to do it. And as you get into it, it becomes less and less about being a tough guy and more about, like you said, becoming the best version of yourself. So you can put the best version of you on the line when it comes time to fight, mm-hmm. you know, like, Back in the day, my amateur fights, I would say, man, I used to like black out, couldn't tell you what the hell happened, come out of the ring. I knew I'd won, you know, but oh, do you remember when this happened? Nope. Remember when this happened? <laughs> nope. How do you not remember when this happened? Gone. Yeah. You know, like it was different things. It was fighting with anger, it was fighting, you know, with emotions, it was mad, you know, like was I was I an angry kid? I guess. Did I have a lot of pent up, you know, resentment towards the world? Sure. Mm. You know, everybody has their own story and how they view the world. Was I, you know, was I taken care of and loved by my parents? Absolutely. Don't, I'm not, you know, saying one thing, not the other, but dude, fighting is just like, it's a beautiful way to make sure when shit hits the fan, you're ready. Yeah. You know, like I was just thinking, cause today got screwed up because I double booked myself to work with the Marshfield hockey team. And I'm joking. I didn't say this to him, but I'm like, you know, if you guys want to like really take this kind of seriously, like this is when I'm doing the classes here at this Mm. facility. And what I left out was, you know, when shit hits the fan and if China shows up, you're not going to be able to go play hockey in the street to see who wins. Yeah, exactly. You you can't out basketball, you know, a foreign (laughs) enemy coming into your house and saying, yes, you know, we're here. Yeah. You you need to learn how to fight. And, and I'm not like, I don't want to get on a tangent, but that's just so funny. Like all these kids that like, oh, I play, ba- I play baseball. I'm like, okay, well you can swing a bat. Good. Yeah. Right. But it's like, <laughs> oh, what are you, you going to play soccer when the enemy show up? No, 100%. no, you need to know how to handle yourself. So it's just like, how did I get on that tangent? Oh, so with fighting, you feel things in those 15 minutes that some people will never feel in the entirety of their lifetime. Mm. And I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, some people are content to, to, to live on their couch. Like when I, when I, when I try to make this comparison, I think of the South park when they're all playing video games, laying back in their chairs, yes. like super obese, like even Cartman's fat and Cartman's already fat. And Cartman's yeah. fatter, you know, or however you want to, but like th- those, those type of people, they exist and there's nothing wrong with that, but they'll never know what it's like to be in a situation where they're making decisions where their life could be on the line and being okay in that situation to mm. make those decisions and even being so comfortable where you can fucking crack jokes while you're making those decisions. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that's like a beautiful part of being a human. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I wanted to stop by while I had your ear and share a very special announcement with you. You may have heard people say that we are facing an epidemic of loneliness in the world right now. We believe that this is only half of the story, and that the real epidemic, and the root of feeling loneliness, 
is a lack of connection. Do you want to connect to more purpose and passion with the important work you are doing? Do you wish you had closer friendships with people who understand you, listen to you, and are truly present with you? Are you wishing you and your partner could move deeper into love together? The connection in all of these areas comes down to the one most important element of connection, the ability to connect with yourself. If you are ready to see change in your life, if you are ready to feel differently when you wake up in the morning, if you are ready to step into the life you envision for yourself, the first and only route to making these changes is settling in, quieting down, and being able to connect to yourself. Now, this can be a major challenge in today's world with media, culture, and other energies that pull us out of our ability to connect. When you've tried fitness, meditation, and other self-development practices, and still find yourself feeling alone and lacking connection, you may be feeling out of options and wondering if you'll ever be able to tap into your full potential that you know deep down is possible in your life. What we have found in working with our clients is that plant medicines, and cannabis in particular, can guide us in having the experience of what true connection looks and feels like. In this way, cannabis can act as a rite of passage for connection and a gateway toward the spouse, tribe, mission, and life you know you are ready for. Now the pitfall here is that many people become codependent on the medicines, such as cannabis, and expect the medicine to do the work for them. If this continues, what will happen is the user will find themselves reaching for more and more cannabis to feel connection, without taking ownership of their role in the outcome of their experience, and thus they will fall into repeating the same painful patterns. As Zen Buddhism teaches, How you do anything is how you do everything. Therefore, if this painful pattern is showing up in your relationship with cannabis, it is likely a reflection of the same patterns you're experiencing in your friendships, romantic relationships, business, and your relationship with yourself. Learning to work with cannabis effectively will supercharge your experience and will help you get the result you are actually seeking, which is connection. We created a program to support seekers and high achievers like you in doing exactly this, to learn how to work with the healing power of cannabis to connect you back to yourself so you can unlock purpose, passion, and creativity in all areas of your life. What this program will give you is the long lost user manual for cannabis. This user manual will teach you how to connect with cannabis correctly so that the plant can act as your spiritual aid and ally in life just as our ancestors understood and practiced. If you're ready to unlock the full power of cannabis, meet like-minded people on the same path as you, build more purpose into your life, and have the most fun doing homework you've ever had, this message is for you. To learn more and qualify for your spot in the program, hop over to our Instagram profile at highly.optimized and book a discovery call. The conscious cannabis revolution is here. Will you be joining us? Sending all of you love. Enjoy the rest of the show. You can be an apex predator or you can be food. <laughs> yes. You know, you're a predator I, like, or prey. How, how do I? Right? Yeah. You're, yeah. A predator or prey. You know what I mean? Like you get one. You get yes. the, the tones here, right? So like fighting for me has just become a way to like refine and get better. You know, it's, it, it's led me on my own spiritual path. You know, my beliefs have changed over time. I was like, not necessarily raised in a Catholic home, but you know, we were christened. I, I went to a Catholic high school just, you know, for, for sports, really no other reason mm. than that. But I still, you know, had the, 
the Jesuit education in high school. I had the Jesuit education at Regis. So I, I, I saw what the Catholic, like what the archdiocese Catholicism has to offer, you know, in, in from the earliest time, do I want to call them holes? No, but inconsistencies in the, the, the Catholic view of things. And, and without putting my foot in my mouth, I like, I do believe in God. I don't necessarily believe in the Christian view of God, mm. but I do understand and resonate with a lot of the undertones that you can pick up through the scriptures. Mm. Um, and maybe I'm just like defended before I say anything wildly outrageous. I do work at DC <laughs> high and I am a wrestling coach there. So I'm not speaking negatively on it by any means, but by seeing what Catholicism had to offer, I saw like the, one, at one point I would have told you I was an atheist or Gnostic or just disagreed with what I was hearing. Like, how can you tell me that this is a man of, you know, this, he sends a message of love, but at the same time, like these people are damned. Yeah. Like these does people he love us or hell. doesn't he? Yeah. Like, and if he loves us, then, you know, he loves all of me. And, yes, and if, if we're created in, in his image, then my, the good, the bad, the, the shit on the bottom of my shoe, the gum stuck to the bottom of my fucking chair. Like yeah. it's all God, you know? And, and that was something that's come to me more later in life more recently. But back then I'm like, how this is just, this is like bullshit. Like, Oh, I'm supposed to not have premarital sex because he's watching. <laughs> I can't like, I can't touch my, like, I can't masturbate. Yeah. I can't rub one out because he's like, Come it's on. like no one talks about the fact that he's watching, supposedly. It's Come like, what does that mean on. about him? <laughs> like, give me a fucking break. Like, if it didn't feel good, it, if it wasn't supposed to feel good, it wouldn't feel good. Yes. You know what I mean? So how can we deny, you know, the the, the fruit of our labors? We're like, oh, no, that, that's where the that's where Protestants come in. Everything's supposed to be miserable, right? <laughs> like, I swear that's what's wrong with Boston. Like, yeah. everybody's <laughs> like, it's the, the trickle down of this Protestant area, you know, and everybody's just like hates everybody else for it. It's, yeah, crazy. it's like life sucks and you die. We yes. joke about that all the time. You know, I've yes. been traveling all over the country this past year <clears throat> and it's really funny. Like my business partner, Alex and I, who's actually a big fighter too. And, uh, you know, uh, actually had a whole, uh, he's probably listening to this and is going to laugh over this, but him and his dad literally lived out Cobra Kai. They had all like competing gyms. I mean, it was hilarious, Fantastic. right? Yeah. And, uh, we joke about it. You know, we always say like, ah, oh, like I'll always, especially when I'm in Oregon, cause Oregon's much, uh, let's just say more progressive, you yes. know, or like, uh, left, let's say yeah. whatever way you want to say, For you sure. get my drift. I do. And so there's a lot of people that get offended easily over there, put it yes. that way. And so, you know, I'll talk to Alex and be like, dude, if you did that shit in Boston, you get a donkey's ice off your forehead. You know, it's like, it just doesn't <laughs> like over here, there's a certain it's thing. Like, and it's part of the reason I love it. You that yes. That doesn't <laughs> yes. fly where I come yes. from. <laughs> Even my mom would tell you that's yes. not okay. <laughs> my mom would hit you with a frying pan. <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely. Yeah. You know, so let me get right back to it. So with fighting, right? Committed to it, decided this is what I wanted to do pursued, you know, business endeavors, working for companies, small startups, whatever was crushing it there while fighting. And then when I made the jump from amateur to pro, everybody, you know, within my camp community knew that my goal was to get to the UFC and we did everything to get there accordingly, which is going to, you know, culminate to this dark night of the soul. But so I build, I bolster up a five and two amateur record, end up with an amateur title of a, of the cage Titans promotion, which is now I'd say one of the top promotions in new England mm -hmm. recognized nationally has put multiple people into the UFC. Um, so I finished up my amateur career there with their amateur title and then bolstered an eight, no 
record waiting for the phone call from the UFC. Like, <laughs> when is it going to come? Okay. Well, at two and oh, like that. Yeah, okay. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Three and oh, don't get ahead of ourselves. Around four and oh, around five and oh, around six and oh, around seven and oh, around eight and oh. It's like, the fuck am I doing wrong? Mm. You know? And without getting ahead of myself in hindsight, would I, would I wish it had gone any other way? Probably not. But we get into my ninth pro fight. I'm driving down to the venue. This must be, May or June, 2017, maybe June. And talk to my little brother. He's down in Florida. He's working a program, trying to get sober, doubling. You know, when he's doing well, he doubles as a therapist or, you know, as a, someone that they can speak to like a, like a big brother, let's mm-hmm. say, for yeah. lack of a better term, because I don't know what you would call it within that program. But talk to him on the way down to the venue. He's like, Oh dude, like you would, this kid would have convinced you that I was Superman. Mm. Um, he's like, Hey, I've got like 20 people over the house. We've all got, you know, I've handed out as many of your shirts that I have. Cause like, you can see like, a <laughs> slippery peak. Yes. Right? And then I do, love like, that. Do it all over. Like, I oh do it dude, all that's beautiful. Krispy Kreme, Sour Patch, you <laughs> yes. know, I always, I always have fire walkout shirts. Mm. Like I got everybody on them. We, we're, we're streaming the fight. Da, 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 da. We can't wait. And so that's, so I talked to him on the way to the venue, get ready for my fight getting going and I fucking, I lose my first fight, but not only was, not only did I lose my first fight, it was a very controversial fucking stoppage. Mm. And, uh, to the point where this ref was no longer allowed to ref was sent back to shadow and then had to be reapproved to be a referee because it was such an early stoppage, mm. whatever. I'm not discrediting the fact that I lost a fight. I lost a fight. It happens. I'm like, okay, I'm eight and one can still get to the USC. Now I know what it's like to lose before I get there. Imagine if I get there and then boom, imposter fucking the imposter syndrome hits. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm eight and one and I'm in the USC and I feel like I don't belong in the UFC. Yes. Right. So now I got to figure this out, right? Like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get working, start training back again. I've got a fight coming up in August. I get a phone call on the fourth, on the 5th of July. Christian's dead. This is my little brother that I just talked to. Who's mm-hmm. down in, in Florida working a program. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? I, we went into his apartment this morning and he was face down on his, you know, like you walk into these little apartments. It's like living room, kitchen, two bedrooms, bathroom off the back. You can see these little condo units, right? Mm -hmm. He was right there. And I'm like, okay, give me more information. They're like, well, we couldn't find his keys. He didn't have his wallet. We don't know how he got in here. He borrowed my car to bring his girlfriend home. And from the time he dropped her off to him getting here, something happened. He must've got some bad some bad pills, some, you know, or, or bad, or a bad bag of heroin, but come to find out he overdosed on fentanyl. Mm. So like, I'm like, fuck, you know, I lose my first, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, lose my first fight. My brother just fucking died. How long after the fight was, was your brother pronounced dead? uh, Less than a month. Wow. Yeah. So it was close. And like, so that was, it was the day after the 4th of July. So the 4th of July, I'm with, uh, with the owner cage Titans, the, the whole like cage Titans family. We had just done the, the 4th of July parade through the center of fucking historic Plymouth mass. So mm-hmm. like we all went back to his house, fighters, guys from other gyms, everybody was there doing the thing, you know, getting along, putting their, you know, everybody's issues to the side. We're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have some fun today. Yeah. We're going to bring some beers and play some volleyball. Yeah. You know, and then I get home and I wake up the next morning and, and I get that news and, and we had been building a big fight at that point that I had to pull out of. And it, it was just like, it was devastating, mm. you know, and I, like, I didn't know what to do, mm. you know, and, and it was hard to, to like comprehend because he had been down in Florida for a while. So it was easy just to think like, no, nah, Christian's just there. down in Florida, yeah. like out of sight, out of mind. And 
so that, you know, rock my fucking world. And then come to find, not come to find out, but I was the one to come to find out a month later. Uh, my dad's not answering his phone. And at this point, him and my stepmom had been, had gotten divorced and he was living, um, he was living in a single bedroom studio apartment, you know, above a garage, nothing spectacular. My dad went from being like the top of the food pack, alpha fucking predator to prey, you know, Mm -hmm. over like the last, like, 10 years of his life. Mm. And, you know, he had his own, you know, substance issues and whatnot, but back to the story, my dad's not answering the phone. My brother's with his, now his wife, but his girlfriend at the time, he didn't go to team training that day. I went up to Boston, up to Somerville trained my brother from San Francisco calls. He's like, Hey, dad's not answering his phone. Max is with Jackie. You need to go stop by and figure out why he's not calling us back. And, you know, it didn't hit me at the time, but like I had just received a very, cryptic phone call from my dad the day before telling me how much he loved me, how much he appreciated me, no matter what happens. Like, I just want you to know, I love you. Everything that you've always done for me, you guys were always there for me. Fuck. Um, and, and, and now I got to go find him. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck. So I get to my dad's apartment. We both, we lived in the same town. Just me and my brother had one lived in one place. My dad lived in another. He'd been living with us for X amount of time. Like, you know, we had to kick him out, dad, yeah. get your shit together. Can't keep taking care of you. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not that old yet. Yeah. <laughs> so he was living on his own. So I had to go check in on him and, you know, I come up the back stairs. Looks like he's just watching TV. I'm like, dad, what the fuck? You don't know how to answer your fucking phone. And I run in and I grab his arm and he's fucking ice cold. Mm. And this is my brother died July. Got through August. This was September 2nd. And and I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I called my brother in San Francisco. I'm like, Cole, dad's dead. He's like, I knew it. I fucking knew it. I call Max. Max, dad's dead. What the fuck? You know, like, this motherfucker, like, what the fuck? We didn't know what happened, mm. you know? And this, his stability kind of wavered a little bit. Where there was a point where he thought maybe, you know, he didn't belong here anymore. Maybe his life insurance would be better off. You know, he'd mentioned these things. Mm-hmm. You know, he my my little brothers and sisters would be better off with his life insurance than him around. Like, you know, the the things people think when they're when they're helpless. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we didn't know what had happened, but I just knew that he was dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I found him. And it, that like, I can still tell you how cold his arm was, mm. you know, that's a, that's a feeling you'll never forget. And it was, it was fucking wild. Mm. And, you know, much like any kid my age, but it was like, that was 2017. So it wasn't that long ago, four years ago. So I was like 31, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. And all I like, we just, I just thought, you know, hold it together. You got to, you got to carry on to let your little brothers and sisters see how to handle this. And, and, and that went from, you know, thinking I was doing it the healthy way to it, not really being healthy at all, turned into a lot of self-medicating, a lot of self-destruction, a lot of pushing things down. Yeah. But like really calls for help. Yeah. You know, was I being very careless? Was I being very reckless? Yeah, 100%. I was going 100 miles an hour in the other mm-hmm. direction, but I was showing up to work. I was showing up to the gym. I was fulfilling all of my requirements to let everybody know that 
He was doing it. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's getting to work. You know, he's doing this, he's doing that. There were a few times my mom, hey, listen, you're drinking like an asshole. Cut it out. Mm -hmm. Knock it off. Um, Ended up, let's just get like, like, without going into, I mean, uh, it's it's been a while since I've told the story, so I don't want to like leave any any Mm. important out. So let's highlight, lost a fight, lost my brother, lost my dad. I'm like, shit sucks. But my boxing coach is like, the best thing that you can do right now might be to fight. Mm. Get your head clean, get it healthy, get ready for a fight and, and, and just move on. Like, don't let, you know, don't let this eat you up. Well, maybe that was, that was his, uh, recommendations with, uh, fighting over the holidays, whether I should fight over the holidays. And he mm. thought it'd be a good idea to keep me busy. But so that was advice later. But, uh, I thought let's just fight. Let's get healthy. So I took a fight, was getting ready. And I lost to a, a really good kid that, that should have been, you know, like a layup to get to the next level. So I said, you know, get me, get me the toughest fight you can find. Mm-hmm. I, I want to fight this kid, TJ Brown. And, uh, <clears throat> like, all right, great. Come. So I take the fight and I'm like, all right, I got to stop drinking this week. And the next week we come, all right, I got to stop drinking this week. Right, four mm-hmm. weeks out. All right. I got to stop drinking this week. And then right at that same time, if I, I fought on November 1st, we closed on a house on October 31st. So, or maybe I fought like November 11th. It was the Halloween was two weeks before my fight. We were moving everything into the new house and we were fucking crushing a bottle of either Jose Cuervo. It must've been, <laughs> it must've been, I think it was a bottle of tequila or for some reason I want to say like Jameson, but I think it was tequila, whatever. We always drink Cuervo. I'm sitting there going, well, I'm going to have to whoop this kid's ass in the first round because I'm going to have nothing for the th- the second and third, but like whatever, you know, and then rinse, wash and repeat for a couple more fights. And I'm thinking like, how can I figure this out? Like I, there's, there's something going on and I know there's something going on and I can't figure out how to stop what's going on. But like, I'm showing up everywhere else in my life, but my fight, my fight record is, is showing where I'm at in my mind mentally. Mm-hmm. And I went from being eight and one. Eight and eight and to eight and three really quick. Nine and nine and three, nine and four, I think, or nine and three. And then, then I, I, however, Mm -hmm. but I went from being undefeated to like one and five and six fights. Yeah. You know, and it was like, all right, I need to figure this shit out. So now back to me being an asshole, being out of control, I fucking swipe a guardrail coming home from work one night. And I'm like, this motherfucker, you know, I get home. My mom sees it the next morning and she's like, the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And I will call that like my real, real dark, dark night of the soul. She's like, what the fuck? She's like, that's a brand new truck. I co-signed on for you. She's like, do you have the money to get it fixed? It's a lease. You can't turn it back in like that. If you let it rust, it's going to be really hard to fix. Fuck. So my good old Mary sat me down. She's like, Peter, you need to figure this shit out. You need to get a therapist. You need to get a therapist fast. Or you're not going to be able to live this lifestyle anymore. Like it's not doing you any good to work three days a week and fuck off during the week and just get to training just enough to show up. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're either going to be a fighter or you're going to go get a job, but there's no more in between. I'm yeah, sick of you it. can't have both. So, you know, I did some research. I found one therapist who I really resonated with. And of course she was like, I'm I'm full, but I've got this awesome guy over here that I think you'll really like based off of your email. And me and this guy, Patrick hit it off and we worked together uh, for like six months, which culminated with my, my fight with cage Titans before I got the contract to go on the contender series, which was like pretty much like a a tryout for the UFC. Mm. So 
you know, my fight record, like I said, it went from eight and zero to eight and one, eight and two to eight and three to nine and four, and then I get to ten and five. So this is the ten and five fight was after a lot of therapy, a lot of introspection, a lot of fucking reading, a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of listening, and you know, I was like Patrick, I think I think this fight's just you know, it's calm. Like I, if I win this fight, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I do too. One hundred percent. I do too. So we went through and we made like, you know, if I have these moments, you know, what it came down to was I was sitting in the back room before I was going to get ready to fight going, did I do everything I needed to do? Did I show up to all my training? Did I do this? Do I have these things that like, tell me like, you're going to be a fucking God tonight. You did all this. You did all this. You're Superman. You're never going to lose. Universe has your back. However you want to look at it. Those fights after my dad died, I'm, I'm sitting up there like, am I really ready? I'm like, I don't know, dude. You were pretty fucking hungover for most of your training. You were shit-faced at the night, by the end of the night. Like, I would drive to Somerville, train my ass off, hit the packy. Before I got on the highway, crush a couple nips on the highway, hit the packy on <laughs> when I got off the highway, pick up a couple nips, crush a couple nips on my way home, go to bed, wake up super early, rinse, wash, and repeat. You know, and it was just like it was only working for so long, you know, and it's just eating me alive. Like, did I do everything? Nah, dude, you're a piece of shit for the last six weeks. What do you, what do you think? Why do you think you're going to succeed in there? Like, Mm. so then I become my own worst enemy because I just start really, you know, focusing on the times that I wasn't there. It didn't matter how many good sessions I had because I knew enough of them weren't. Yeah. More were not. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we start working on these things. I'm in the back room. We have lists that I've rehearsed and I've done a lot of visualization and, and dude, I just destroyed this kid to the point where I still feel bad about how bad, how bad it was. And like me and my coaches joke about how his coach should have thrown the towel in way before it got to the point that it got, but it was a stellar performance. It was enough to get me noticed by the UFC. It was enough to get me onto the contender series you know, I won that fight, got my UFC contract, but it was like, it took a lot of me putting everything that I've learned along the way, like to work, to get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. like a, a great story that I really enjoyed right when I first started putting my shit together was uh Tyson Fury story on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. about how he was severely overweight, started with goals, showing up. And I'm like, dude, this is what I need. You know, when I started listening, all the while listening to people like Aubrey, Paul Check, uh, your Kyle Kingsbury's, um, Mike Bledsoe, who you yes. I just listened to his podcast. Yeah, with you. Yeah. He's I like I don't listen to him regularly, but he's got some awesome episodes that I've had. Unit, I've, I've had the the joy of catching. But like all these people that are, you know, are they self help? Yeah, but they're more like N equals one, and this is what worked for me. And, what might work for you. Yeah. They're in it too. Like they're yeah. human enough to say like, Hey, we're still going through this too, but this is what we found. Try it out. So it, it I, I've been doing all this on the side. And then when it really came down to it, it was like, Oh, I, you know, everything you need is within you, which is something that I remind myself all the time. But like, mm. I already had the information. I just needed someone to talk to, to like organize it. Yes. You know what I mean? So like the best way for me to therapy for me was like taking my iPod, my ear pods or however you want to say out of my pocket mm-hmm. and they're tangled as fuck. And the therapist is just someone that's going to help you untangle it and put it back together neatly and give it back to you. Mm. You know, that's a good therapist. Just yes. helps you organize everything, put it where it belongs and let you continue. 
You yeah, know, it's a third-party person that's not, yeah. you know, obligated to be your friend in that situation. They're right. a neutral party, and that's so important for someone to have. That's why I love therapy, coaching, all of these things. I say everyone should have a therapist, a coach, something, right? Because it's an ongoing thing. Life continues happening. Yeah. And if you have that third party, you can make sure that you're coming at it from a view where you're not getting stuck into a, a malware program of the ego, of the inner critic, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. So it was, it was like, it was really cool to see that those two things coincide together or like parallel each other where, you know, I knew I needed help and, and who would have thought like I needed a therapist to fix my fight career, mm. you know, and, and, and he's not even a sports psychologist. We did get into some of those things. Um, but that was definitely not his area of, of specialty, mm. but we were, I mean, whatever we did worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. Know? Yeah. So it was, it was really cool to see that, but it was, it was a lot, it was putting to use a lot of the information that I already had stored mm. somewhere up here and just putting it together and, 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 and repeating it. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. And you know, that was such an incredible story to go through all that and all those dark nights of the soul. And, you know, you and I have a very similar dark night of the soul around our father. You know, my father, uh, was a huge part of my life and, you know, my hero and, uh, you know, again, like the alpha on the food chain and then the receivers of events ended up passing away, like feeling as though he was the prey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the way in which he passed was through brain cancer and I had to watch him go through it or I got to watch him go through that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather use got than had. And, uh, and so like, you know, through that experience, you know, I realized in that, that I was hiding things. Like I knew right away, like I was preventing myself from letting out emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew all that, but my story that I was telling myself was I'm going to be strong for the people around me and then I'll yeah. handle it. You know, like I knew I had to handle it. I knew enough about psychology. That's what I went to school for that. I had to handle this at some point. But the challenge was that I didn't realize that every time I stopped myself from having that emotional release, I lost more of the ability and, uh, confidence to be able to do that. And so over time I started packing it in and my medicine of choice was cannabis, right? I numbed mm -hmm. for years with cannabis. And then it wasn't actually till a few years back where I actually took a big break and actually reestablished my whole relationship with cannabis oh, and fixed all that and was able to actually express a lot of that in the last few years with, uh, one of the companies that Mike Bloodsoe helped create training camp for the soul and, and lifted who you knew Mark through. And, uh, it's been so amazing getting to go through that. And I, I truly believe, and I firmly believe that, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, but also it also makes us more resilient, you know, as well as stronger. And I'm curious for you, like, you know, when you look at masculinity these days, right? Like there's so much uh, talk about this quote unquote toxic masculinity out there, right? Which I mm -hmm. firmly believe does not exist. Yeah. I believe that what we're seeing is an immature version of the masculine, which is based on, um, a, a, a challenged point of view on what masculinity is supposed to be. So like when you think about fighting, right? So many people are like, Oh, oh my goodness, you can't fight. I mean, you know, violence doesn't solve anything, any of these things. I'm curious for you as a man, what did fighting help you with? Because, you know, one of the things I've noticed for me is when I hear people talk about that, it's like, listen, you don't really understand masculinity. Like men, fight each other and then they're fine. And usually they end up best friends after for years, mm -hmm. right? Like versus the kind of, you know, back and forth shit talking, which lasts 10 years at a time. So I'm curious what you'd have to say about that. Like what did fighting do for you in terms of like your masculinity, your ability to handle anger, you know, all of those kind of things, what kind of outlet did it give you for that? I mean, there's like so many different 
things that could go on. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever but, one calls most. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for fight, like one, I think violence solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm not like warmongering. I'm saying like, if you have a disagreement with somebody, you can either argue your points or you can raise your hands and settle it like men. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm not saying go out and be a bully and pick on people and steal their lunch money. That's not, I'm not advocating for but that. But having repercussions but is important. Yes, you know, like if you listen to any of Donnie Cerrone's podcasts with uh, wherever he is, and he's like, there should be a number where you can call it and you can have a, a fist fight with someone on the right and rent on the side of the road. We're going to call, we're going to call like 711. Leave us alone. We're agreeing to fight over there. Yes. And we're going to handle our road. Yes. Like that should exist. Yes. Certain states do have like a right to duel or whatever, but. The fact of the matter is, if you are willing to put your money where your mouth is, you'll get rid of all the passive aggressive, resentful bullshit, trivial nonsense that goes on. Like, that's what's toxic is like yes. the passive aggressiveness where, you know, you can be Johnny Bravado over here, but when so and so shows up, you turn into a cricket. Mm-hmm. Like, what fighting's done for me, or like along the way, I'm and, and I'm a lover, but. but you're better off being a fighter in the garden than a gardener in a fight. Right. Yes. That's a Japanese <laughs> proverb. I am a lover. I, I'm a huge mama's boy. Like you want to see something foolish. Watch me with my dog. When I get home at the end of the day, you'd be like this, this dude fights people. Are you serious? <laughs> like I have those sides and you know, you, whatever it, what I have learned is I will not say anything about anybody that I would not say to their face. Yes. And fighting like what well, I'm going to go fight in a, in a packed arena but I, I won't tell this guy how I feel about him. And I mean, there's levels to that. Like there are people in my life that I have a hard time speaking my mind to. Yeah. You know, you have those you work for too, or that you too. Know, things like that. <laughs> Thankfully I do work for my family now, which makes it really a lot easier. But again, like people are like, Oh, just leave him alone. Whatever. <laughs> um, like you have these invisible scripts, mm. right? Well, yeah. You can't say that to them. You'll hurt their feelings, but Stories. are you really, yeah. Are you really, prolonging the hurt or are you just making it worse for when it comes? You know what I mean? Like there's that whole conversation that you can have with that. But before I get trapped on a tangent, Mm -hmm. like it's made me not more confrontational, but less passive aggressive. Yes. You know, like if, if I don't like something, I'm going to say something, Mm -hmm. you know, if I see someone being picked on, I'm going to say something, you know, like that whole Tim Kennedy approach. Like I'm just waiting for someone to break into my house. Yes. Like long house, (laughs) motherfucker. Yes. You know, like you just want, you, you come to learn these things about yourself and you now know that you're in a position where you can stand up for those that don't feel strong enough to stand up for themselves. And and it's like, take no shit and do no harm. Like Mm -hmm. I've, embrace that to and through. It's like a very libertarian belief and, and I love it. And that's what really attracted me to like that ideology in the political spectrum of things. But like fighting is just, it's just about, it's how do I want to say this without like Buffalo medicine, go right through the fucking storm. Yes. You don't go around it. Yes. You don't backtrack. You go right through it. Yes. You stand shoulder to shoulder with your honchos, with your teammates, with your dudes, you know, with your team and you fucking go straight through it. And that's like, that's the easiest way. It's right through the middle. Mm. And in fighting, I think has really allowed me to see that on many, many different levels, you know? Yeah. And, and even with like my fighting reflecting what's going on in my personal life, like I'm one in four in my last fucking one in three in my last four fights. I'm like, what the hell is unsettled? Where am I not seeing? Something is glaring in my face and I feel like I'm going to need to fix it before everything comes back around. Mm. I'm one in three in my last four fights. And those are four of the best fights of my life, mind Mm. you, you know, and, and, but I was on the other side of it, 
you know, so I'm like, okay, I'm so fucking in my own head that there's got to be something that I'm not dealing with that is proving to show these guys have the right opportunity. Like if we look at my fights, there are like things happened to get like in favor of the other guy, but they weren't like planned, rehearsed, dedicated moves. It was like, this might work. Mm. Oh shit. It worked. <laughs> Could have happened for me in the other way, you know, like it, it, so I think I would be ignorant to say, Oh, something's not wrong. What that is, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm hoping I figure it out before I fight again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fingers crossed. Yeah, like, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I need a big night. I need a heroic dose, yeah. um, which is a whole other conversation. I left yeah. that out of my journey. The psychedelics have been a huge part of my recovery as well. I, uh, without backtracking, I started microdosing uh, psilocybin. Yes. You know, and if I found someone with it, I'd get a bunch of it and take really small doses all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I love the Stamets podcast on that. Um, which is what I used as a guide yeah. just so everybody doesn't five think I'm like on, eating, eating like five yeah. grams of mushrooms on a Monday and yeah. then a couple on Wednesday <laughs> Going and, to fight know, on a tripping all the way to and through, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, the, the Stamets protocol has worked. I've, I've done the Fatima protocol as well um, with mushrooms and LSD and mm-hmm. have enjoyed both yeah. approaches to it. But yeah, it's just fighting makes you deal with the things that you don't want to deal with and realize that you can get through them and you're going to be better off on the other side. You know, it's just like dealing with the shit. You know what I love about that too, is it's how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you learn to be a fighter, when it comes to your physical, like the physical world that you're in, then when it comes to, you know, someone passing away, that's close to you, when it comes to breaking up with someone or someone breaking up with you, even that you love, right. You're more likely to get into that mindset of, okay, how, what can I do now? Right. Instead of just shutting down and getting into those cycles that we've both fallen into in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. And I imagine many people listening have fallen into where you get into these addictive patterns and things like that. You know, you're able to actually take a step back and ask yourself, okay, as the pure awareness that actually is me as the pure unconditional love, what am I experiencing? Right. And that's why I love talking about separating ourselves from the feelings we're feeling. Right. So saying, rather than saying I'm anxious saying, Oh, I am experiencing feelings that I'm associating with anxiety because then you can separate yourself and actually start to view it and go, what is that? Where else in my life have I felt that when I used it before, what else has helped me through that? And one of the things you mentioned was so important and I want to touch on it, which was how you act with your dog, right? And, and that you're a lover. And this is one of the main areas that I find men are lacking in right now. They know how to do, they know how to go out there and do, 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 do. But the problem is they're burning out because they're not connected to their heart. And so therefore what they're doing is not actually connected to a purpose and a why. And so they're just going out there and they're doing a lot of stuff, but they're burning out. They're having to have more coffee. They're getting more into addictive patterns with alcohol. Yeah. Right now, like, you know, cannabis, tobacco, all these things. And And so I'm curious for you, like, what are some things you did? And maybe you don't know offhand, maybe it's just how you were brought up, whatever. What has allowed you to feel okay getting into that more feminine space, right? To your heart space. Yeah. um, I mean, I was thinking of something like you're saying, oh, Kyle Kingsbury podcast. There was one, Mm. you know, I was doing like, I like to listen to podcasts and books and stuff while I'm doing things. And I spend a lot of time driving to commute to and from training. Like Mm. I've always lived on the South shore. When I've lived in Massachusetts and like my strength and conditioning coaches in Chelmsford, which is 50 miles each way. So I've got plenty of, when I was driving up there regularly to train with him, you know, I had plenty of time to listen to stuff. So I'm I'm digesting information all the time. And like, I think I started 
Aubrey back at episode season one, episode one, when I started mm-hmm. him and I started the on it podcast back at season one, episode one. And I've listened, you know, currently up into whatever's on there right now. Mm-hmm. So that's given me a, 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 a mile inch, a, a, an inch deep and a mile wide of, of people on how to be better. And, uh, one of the podcasts was Kyle Kingsbury and he was saying, do, 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 but don't forget to be, 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 do, yes. be, do, be, do, do, be. And you can make yes. a song out of it. Like, yes. don't forget if you're out there, do, 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 and you got to be, be, be and do and be and, and, and like slow yourself down and, and tip for tat. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so back to like, I guess we're going to connect this back to high school with part of being at BC high, all boys high school Jesuit tradition is they have this retreat for the weekend called the Kairos retreat, which is like, Super kind of culty, super weird, you know, <laughs> as a teenage guy going to sit in a circle and share all my feelings with a bunch of teenage guys that I'm not really friends with and I don't really know too well and I'm supposed to feel vulnerable and whatever. It was Did I really get the most out of that? No, because a lot of people would really just get their boys together and go on it. And I just wanted to go and see what it was about. So I went on a random Kairos retreat with, with no friends. That's kind of how I do things. I just put myself in the middle of it and figure it out and, mm-hmm. and sing or swim. Yeah. So one thing that I got out of that was the importance of like reflection and introspection. And and there's always been opportunities where I've seen the benefits of journaling and it's just something I I still need to, I still want to incorporate, but I, I haven't and Dude, I don't. You and I both, man, you know, it's the one I, modality that I, for some reason, struggle with. Yeah. I would love to like <laughs> be able to give myself 30 minutes every morning and, 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 and be present and write some things down and get organized. And I've started it and fallen off and started and fallen off, but that's where I started seeing like, you know, looking into yourself and reflecting on what you feel and attaching it to what you're doing. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like that was always going on in the back from high school into college, but really, you know, looking and seeing what's working in my fighting, being a little bit more aware, being more present, like anything you want to learn for fighting, you can apply to the rest of your life. And mm. and like, I grew up in the restaurant industry as well. So it was like, before I was fighting, I was already comfortable in high stress situations, bartending with, you know, like five rows of people in front of you <laughs> looking for drinks, like Barrett's, right? So yeah, Barrett's yeah. Ale House yeah. is my uncle's place. But I grew up working at the Charlie Horse, which any local guy that that'll ring a bell, West Charlie Bridgewater. Um, my dad ran the tent down in Marina Bay, which was then Waterworks. Amelia's like my dad put Marina Bay on the map back in the eighties. And, and so like high stress, you know, high pace lifestyle. That's what we were. That's what we grew up in. So for fighting, it was kind of like more of the same, just a different style, you know, thinking really quick under pressure. Like how many people are in a situation where you have to make a decision without even realizing you're making the decision that could put you in, in harm's way or not. You know, do I move to the right or do I move to the left? You don't have more than a hair of a second to figure out which way you want to move, you know, and, and where the, why did I get lost? Um, how am I connecting that back? Well, feminine energy, yes. you know, being able to, so being your heart, able to yeah. be present and, and, and play and then turning. So for me, I've turned fighting into play into a game. Like mm. if I'm in the gym. I've probably microdosed and I'm probably talking <laughs> shit and I'm trying to get yes. into people's head and I'm making it a game. Like my best training is, is, is Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings over at Lozon's. I've just taken like anywhere from 0.25 to 0.35 grams of psilocybin an hour before I get on the mat and I hit that, that little microdose puts a twinkle in my eye and I've got yep. two hours of solid training and I'm just having a ball. I'm in flow state. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it but I'm still not connecting this back to the feminine. So how did I get there would be uh, back to the podcast, you know, 
mm. listening to guys like Kyle, Aubrey. I mean, I've had this affinity to try ayahuasca since I first found out about it back mm. in 2011. I forget what, it, maybe there was some like documentary special on Netflix that mm-hmm. was like highlighting this new growing thing of what ayahuasca was. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, I really enjoyed mushrooms in college and like going out <laughs> to the woods and going camping. And like, we went out to Moab one year and we were out there for like fall break. And we were there from like Thursday to Tuesday camping out in the woods. Like some guys had, you know, there was mushrooms, LSD, marijuana, like, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. We were a bunch of college kids from Colorado driving out to Moab. Yeah. Everything that you would think was in that, it's yeah. in somebody's car was the in somebody's car. curiosity bucket. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, those things like that, you're like, oh, you get to really understand. Like, I would say psychedelics is what tapped me into my feminine before mm. I even knew what that was. You know, like yeah. Regis University is a protected arboretum. So we've got plants from all over the world on campus. And it's like a very small campus. It fits in like a five by five city block. Mm. You know what I mean? 1200 kids small, <laughs> but you know, those Sundays that we would eat some mushrooms and go longboarding through campus. Like you just be in awe and you would see, <laughs> like you would be like, okay, these are the, these are the plants and trees and flowers. And I'm seeing the energy connect from them to me. And mm-hmm. like, are we really different? Is this really just like, what is this? How do we understand this? How do we comprehend this? Like, there's a lot more going on than we have ever realized. Mm. And now, you know, things that were being taught in the esoteric, you know, teachings are now science is starting to back it up. Yes. Millennia later. Right. Absolutely. However, whatever time period you want to put on it later, mm. you know, we, we see guys like Dispenza talking about pretty much the, the secret fucking working. Mm-hmm. If you know how to use it to your advantage, right? It's the biggest cosmic giggle. So that it, we don't know how powerful we are. Exactly. Most of us. Exactly. And I struggle with this. I do, but it was definitely the use of psychedelics that allowed me to realize that like, you know, I don't know. How do I explain this? One day I remember being in college. I think I was a junior in college, sophomore. We had just eaten. We each got an eighth and we all, we went and skateboarded and did our things outside all day. And I get home on the end of a Sunday before I go get ready for finals probably. Cause I used to like to trip hard before finals mm. because I, what I thought what were cluster headaches or cluster migraines, which I just think were stress headaches from the lights and whatever, yeah. but psychedelics would help keep them from happening in general. So mm. I would try to dose heavy before, you know, midterms and finals and then go into, into, into the week that way, clear of headaches mm-hmm. and, and it worked and mm-hmm. come to find out, you know, mushrooms help with cluster migraines. Yeah. <laughs> go figure. Yeah. They help your brain work. Yeah. Um, but I remember just calling my girlfriend one day and being like, I don't know how to explain it to you. I just want to make sure you know I love you. And she's yeah. like, Peter, your voice sounds really different. I don't know what you took today, <laughs> but I'm going to hang up the phone right now. I'm like, but you don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I love you. Yeah. I love you. Right? And, you know, and then like, we're not together anymore. You know, that was a, you know, she's a great girl. I would never say anything bad about her. Yeah. Um, but like, you really start to get in touch with your emotions mm. through the plant medicines, you mm. know, and. I think, yeah, I, I would have to say it was psilocybin that really let me touch into it. And then, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like enthralled by the esoteric. Like they, like Alistair Crowley is like a very interesting man to me. Was he an evil person? Maybe. I don't know. Did <laughs> he people die under his doing, watch? Probably. Yeah. Did they sign up for it? I think they knew what they were getting into, yeah. but he was still the ringleader, yeah. you know, and he had his sex magic and his dark occults and, and whatnot. But like, he's super fascinating. Like the esoteric fascinating. Like, oh yeah. Uh, Hermes, super fascinating, like the Kabbalion, you know, all of that. I just, it's always been super fascinating to me. And what, what goes hand in hand with those? Entheogens, 
Absolutely. Plant medicine, psychedelics, hallucinogens, whatever you want to call them, you know, they're right there with it. And, and I've, I've come to, to understand like, Hey, if it's gonna, if, if it's growing on this earth and it's going to exist with or without me, it's probably pretty safe. Yes. You know, people say, Oh, cocaine's bad. Yeah. Cocaine's processed with gasoline before you put it yes, up your nose. It's, it's not a coca plant. Yes. You know, I used to think that same way. Yes. So like, uh, yes. no, no, that, that argument goes right out the window. Well, you know, it's funny because like the pharmaceutical industries have got it in all of our heads that, you know, or I won't say all use the binary language, but a lot of our heads that in the, in the societal paradigm or a narrative that, you know, we'll outlaw the natural and monopolize on the synthetic, right? So, no, you can't take, like, like I remember when Marinol came out, right? Which yes. is a THC pill, right? So, right. essentially, what they're saying unconsciously there is you can't interact with the plant. But if we can take it and monopolize it and create a synthetic version of it, and then it it's now safe. Yeah, yeah. And, and as long as we can sell it and patent it, right? Like, they're trying to, they're trying to isolate whatever is in psilocybin to remove the trip. Yes. For people to still have this growth. I'm like, you don't get the growth without yes, exactly. the dark night. Exactly. Without the introspection. Exactly. You know, and I, I noticed that like in college, like there was one night, total tangent. One night it was New Year's Eve. I end up with this, like I was working bottle service at, at Sutra, downtown Denver, triple story club, right? Mm-hmm. If anybody, no, not Sutra. I apologize. Sutra was the small club that I also worked at. I was at Beta. What Beta, year was this? This was, oh, this was 2010 and 2011. Because I used to be in Providence. I know like the club scene used to be yeah. big around that time. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. Like EDM was huge. Like, yeah, yeah. so let's put it on the map. EDC was just getting its feet wet in, yes. co- like EDC used to be a Colorado festival. Mm. Then it got so big in Colorado, it went to Vegas. Then it got so big in Vegas, it went everywhere else. Yes. But it came from the the Dragons or the Triads or the guys behind Beta mm. were the guys behind Beatport. Mm. So they made Beatport, which was like the Napster for EDM. So they had this big super club in Denver, Colorado, and everybody from Europe would come play there because like nobody in America would know about their music if it wasn't for Beatport. Yeah. So when they opened their own club, everybody came. That's how I got involved. Like I've done security for two or three EDCs before it was a big super festival in Vegas. Yeah. Um, Got a lot of free fun stuff that those nights. (laughs) Um, But like. EDCs a trip. I went to Vegas once. (laughs) Oh, we did. Me and my buddy did the EDC. One year we did security. The next year we're like, we're going back and partying. Yeah. 2014 was my year. It was wild. I was, I that's really we were funny. probably under the same electric sky. We, yeah. You know? <laughs> we might have been. It was right around then when I went. But yeah. where was I going with that? Jesus. <laughs> How did we end up on EDC? Beta. Mm. Clubs. So New Year's Eve, I'm at Beta. I've got this dude who's trying to get in to be like a warm-up DJ. So he's like, oh, I'll befriend this kid. Maybe he'll introduce me to someone. I'll, I'll get a, a DJ spot, X, Y, and Z. He's like, hey, man, we'll go back to my house. Supposed to have a bunch of people come over. I got a whole DJ set up in my basement. I got a bunch of mushrooms. I got a bunch of Molly. I got a bunch of this. I got a bunch of that. And I'm like, let's go. We yes. ended up partying all night in Denver, driving way up to like North Glen. Come to find out, it was like, was it his house? Was it his mom's house? We were really just in his room in the basement. I don't remember, <laughs> but I remember being laying on the couch after eating eating my second dose of second handful of mushrooms, going, man, Peter, you find yourself in these positions quite often every. Every so often. And I start seeing <laughs> patterns and I'm like, I'm here at a party, motherfucker. Like, why am I having these thoughts? And I'm like, these are the types of people that you're attracted to or that are attracted to you. They yes. think they're using you to get a level up on da-da-da-da-da. Like, and I start looking back and I'm like, oh, I was friends with this person. Was he friends with me because he wanted to be friends with me or was he friends with me because he wanted to 
hang out with my older brother's crowd of friends, mm-hmm. which I brought up earlier coincidentally, but these are the thoughts that I'm having, right? So crazy. I have this like epiphany. I'm like, am I, am I just a tool in someone else's toolbox or, or am I really doing my own thing? But it came to me as I was in between like massive doses of psilocybin. Mm. And it was just like, that was the first time where I started to see like my friends, older brothers were all like, stay away from acid. It's like the most, it's like looking in a mirror for 12 hours mm-hmm. and dissecting every decision you've ever made. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of scary, <laughs> but interesting too. At the yeah. same time. And I like, I started seeing these patterns and it would only like really become very apparent to me, like in these heightened states, you mm. know, but it was also in those heightened states where I was able to like tap into other parts of myself. Like one day me and my buddy ate like five grams and we went and free climbed all of Red Rocks. Mm. Like, and if you've ever been at Red Rocks, Colorado, oh, it's like, wild. like we would, you would right before you get to the arch to go in, you can go up. Yes. And we, we went up. And like <laughs> when you get from rock to rock, like you might think it's oh, like maybe just five feet from here to there, but it's probably like it, we were probably doing gaps bigger than from this table to that table, probably about 15 feet that way with wow. pure death underneath us if we <laughs> fucking missed. Oh my but we goodness. were like flow state in the zone, yes. like in a video game, yes. bam, bam. like we didn't fall. We didn't trip. Like there's this one path out at Red Rocks that runs from the upper parking lot to a lower pathway to the lower parking lot. Mm. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. There's like a tree at the top. It's long, it's rocky. And as we were like coming down from this trip, there was a show starting, people walking and we're like, we walked up to it. We're like, I don't know. We've been doing some pretty stupid shit all day. You think we can, we think we can make it to the bottom. And, and my buddy's like, I, I think I can make it to the bottom. You think you can make it to the bottom? So we let this group start. And they're walking down and I just walk back and I just start running right, jump off the hill. And I'm like, here we go. Drops, just catch the, catch my footing, run, start jumping this rock, boom, 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 jumping off this rock, boom, 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 jumping off this rock. Realize that I'm catching up to this like group of like 10 people ahead of me way sooner than I thought I was like, and my buddy's yelling, move, move, go. And I'm like, move, move, go. These people are like, this motherfucker. They all clear out of the way and I stuck the whole thing. And I'm like, there's one more coming. They turn around, my buddy comes flying down and we were just like, can't believe that worked. Oh my can't God. That worked. But it's just like this. I could walk you to the path right now mm. if I was there and this is it. And it's like, why would you ever do that? But we were in such a flow state, focus state while on Mars, but here on earth at the same time, it was like incredible to see how like, that's the flow state. I hear people talk about flow state. I don't know if I've ever realized what flow state was. And then that day always comes back to me. Mm. And that's where I was like, oh, maybe I can use psychedelics with fighting. Maybe I can yeah. use psychedelics with this. Maybe I can use psychedelics with that. And and psychedelics are the key to everything. Dude, you know what I love you know? about you, Pete? Like, is that I've always described myself as a button pusher. And what I mean by that, people might think like, oh, you push people's buttons. No, no, no. no. I like to push my own buttons. I yeah. like to push buttons. Like I like to I like to button mash. I played a lot of Mortal Kombat as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And so like some people are like, Oh my God, how do you do psychedelics? Aren't you scared of a bad trip? I'm like, if it happens, it happens. Like I'll move through it. I, I mean, I'm like, the yes, bad trips are actually, yeah. yeah, the bad trips are actually the ones that end up the best. And that's like the funniest thing because I remember being a kid and people being like, not a kid, like 18 and people being like, Oh, you don't want a bad trip. It's like, I'm actually more excited to have the bad quote unquote experiences because I, I change out bad for challenging. Right. And you grow when you're outside of your comfort zone. It's the same way that when you're in the gym, if you're, you're you go in there and you do 10 push ups and you leave, you're not going to get that many gains. But if you go in there and you get to your point where you're like right about to have fatigue, and failure, that's when you're going to grow because of stress, right? Not because of the lack of stress. And, you know, it's funny you were mentioning, uh, 
you know, the whole, what I wrote down here was like the quantitative versus qualitative aspects to life, right? Yeah. Most people only believe in what they can measure, what they can see with their eyes, right? Which is a very masculine thing to do. The feminine is qualitative, right? And what I tell people is, you know, I've had some, I've talked to some scientists about this and like, yeah, you know, we don't believe in the ether. We don't believe in, you know, these things because we can't see them. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Uh, if from your, from your like, uh, description, but can you tell me how much love you have for someone? They're like, well, no, I'm like, okay, but you still understand what love is, right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So even though you can't see something or measure it or describe it, you can feel it. And therefore it's still real to you and still exists. And that's like one of the, that's how I relate everything. I'm like, spirituality is just science yet to be discovered in the modern day, right? We forget that the ancients, they might not have had cars because they could teleport. They might not have had, you know, um, uh, the things we have now like cell phones because they can communicate telepathically, right? Right. They did things differently and they weren't so unadvanced. They didn't live in mud caves in the way that we Don't think they going. did. Don't get me going. <laughs> Don't get dude, me going. Dude, it's, you know, we're, we're omitting this huge aspect of science, which is qualitative science, right? Shout like, out to Graham Hancock. Yes. Shout out to Graham Hancock. Shout out to Ibrahim Karim yes. of biogeometry. Yes. I mean, these people are literally changing the tide on what we like believe is true about humanity. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, the human part of the human being is the form, right? That's the part we can see. That's quantitative. The being part is formless. I remember you were talking about do, 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 be, 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 mm-hmm. right? We are human beings, not human doings, right? Correct. And so it's so important to remember that and make sure that we're able to move through life in a way that we don't take ourselves so seriously that we stop to for, I mean, we forget to stop and enjoy the roses, right? And smell the roses yeah. every once in a while. So important, you know? Definitely. I, I find that with, with my fighting sometimes. Like, am I taking this too seriously? Am I not enjoying the process? Because, like, I'll tell you, when shit was bad, and I'm like, dude, I'm not winning fights. And, like, there was a period, so I'm sitting in the in the basement at Sitya Tong, which, like, if, if you're familiar with the MMA community, or let's say if you're familiar with Kevin James and you've seen Here Comes the Boom, right? Mm. That They recreated Sitya Tong on a sound set because guys like Kenny Florian, Forrest Griffin, like, the creme de la creme from the early days when, you know, when the UFC and mixed martial arts transformed from, like, you know, the timer going up to actual athletes coming in competing, mm. those were the guys that... Crew Mark Delagrati was teaching. He was, you know, he was like a independent con- contractor. What does that want to say? He was like, uh, they would bring him in. So he didn't have like a, so people would travel to train with him or they would fly him out. You know, mm-hmm. he was like a consultant. That's yes, what I'm looking consultant. for. Yes. Uh, different C word. <laughs> so they would bring him in as like, you know, this dude's a master of Muay Thai. If you mm-hmm. want to learn Muay Thai, you studied with Crew Mark Delagrati. You either brought him in for six weeks and he got you ready for a fight or you went and lived there for, you know, six or eight weeks and got ready for a fight. But that being said, here comes the boom. They recreated Sit Tong's basement on a soundstage because there's so much heritage. There's tradition. There is blood, sweat, and tears that were put into that room. So and if you know the MMA community and you watch Here Comes the Boom, all like um, a lot of the extras in that movie were guys from the local and national MMA community to like, hey, man, let's let's throw these guys a bone. They don't get paid a ton of money. Let's put mm-hmm. them in a movie, you know? Which is really cool, but back to to crew Mark. How did I get up? Why am I doing this? I swear I've got like We're having a good riff session, man. But I, I swear, since I got COVID, I'm still dealing with like brain fog. I'm like mm. losing my train of thought, mm. and of course, because I think of it, it happens more. Yeah. Like, I'm just you know where attention my, goes, yeah. energy flows. You know, confirmation bias. I'm like, see, yeah. that's right. I do have yeah, fun. Yeah, COVID brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Blood, sweat, and tears. Where was I going with that? I well, I think we were talking about quantitative versus qualitative science too. And like the whole idea that just because you can't see Doing something being. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. right. And I, I imagine that, you know, something you were chatting about had something to do with that. Yeah. You know, where did, how did I lose that train of thought? That was a good one. I, that's like the third one today. <laughs> hey, three is a lucky number, it, right? It's, it's Spiral dynamics. Scenery in the back. I know guilty um, as charged, you know, <laughs> Quantitative, qualitative, doing and being. I think that's what it was on is actually doing versus being because we were talking about the, taking things seriously, taking things too seriously. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you were talking about how you were wondering when you were losing, if you were enjoying the process. So I was in the basement of Sega yes. Tons. That's the connection. Yes. So I'm yes. sitting there, right? Literally in a place where some of the greatest to ever compete in the UFC have come and trained and left a part of their soul on that mat. Yeah. And they're the same fucking mats. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's the same <laughs> ring, it's the same fucking mats. I cleaned them a million they kept times. It for aesthetic. Yeah. Still the same yellow fucking disgusting paint on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, This this is why you never made it to the UFC. You had this fucking like these travesties, these tragedies in your life. And that's your why. Mm. That's why you never made it to the next level. Mm. Yeah, you were one of the best in New England, eight no. You got dealt a shit hand in life and we just watched it go by. Mm-hmm. And I believed it. I, I, that was like something I was telling myself. My self-talk was in the gutter. Like I'd be, we're doing cage work and I'd had some fucking young kid like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Mm. Dude, do you know? I mean, this is the conversation I'm having with myself. Kids asking me for help because he's new and I've been doing it for fucking <laughs> five, six years at this point. I'm like, yeah, you are arguing for your limitations rather than your possibilities. Yes. Yeah. You know, my, my self-talk was really, really bad and I, you know, accepted it. You know, this is why I never made it to the UFC because all of this happened. Yeah, XYZ. Then, then I had the day where I was like, fuck that story. Fuck that script. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Mm. This is this, I call it a comeback story, whatever. I was given that to get over it, to over, to overcome it, to get through it, to be a better person on the other side mm. and come to learn these things. Like the difference between knowledge and wisdom is wisdom is knowledge put to use, right? Yes. That what is, yes. I'm like, I'm destroying these proverbs <laughs> today, right? Or however you want to call them. But you, you, you get the gist of it, right? So like I had to be present. I had to, to do the work. I had to like remove my emotion from things. I had to just understand that these are the things that need to happen and I need to be here to do them. And I need to have a good understanding of it here and I need to accept it and move on. Like, nope, like everybody has terrible things happen to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not fucking special. Mm-hmm. People lose their parents every fucking day. Yeah. People find their little brothers dead on the floor all the fucking time. Yeah. You were talking it about it happens. Yeah. Does it mean it, it happens and the rest of the world continues. Let me yes. finish. Just because your life stops doesn't mean the rest of the world's going to hold on and let you catch up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to take six months and the rest of the world's going to wait for you. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You know, so you got to put that stuff where it belongs and, and, and get back to work. So taking the knowledge, turning it into wisdom and just sitting with myself and figuring out what I really wanted and what I chose to believe is true. Mm. You know, those were some powerful fucking things. And like, I'll tell people now, well, yeah, whatever you want to believe, that's true. Whatever you there, believe you whatever become. Whatever you believe. Yeah. That's true. If you, you, can you find think it. that's impossible, it's impossible. Yes. It's impossible literally me, whatever you believe you it's, become. That's true. Yes. It's true. Yes. You know? and, and you can yeah. argue for whatever story you want to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, if and you'll find one, evidence for it. Yeah. Always confirmation biases everywhere. Yes. You know, I'm like, am I, what's, what's it called when you connect dots that might not really be there? There's a really cool word for it. Uh, oh God, let me think. Um, 
I think it was the Jamie Kilsteins. He was talking about it with 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 Kyle or yeah. Or, but he was he used that word, and I'm like, fucking love that word. Yeah, I need to yeah, use that yeah, word yeah, more yeah, often yeah. because that describes how my brain works. And I'm like, yes. am I really just connecting these random dots, or are these? This is glaringly obvious to everyone that these things are happening. Well, I mean, you can you can you can connect anything and make it real, right? Like, you know, that's how I mean, you think about how these people like God forbid like Hitler and people like this did what they did. They thought they were doing the best with the information they had. They didn't right. go out there to be evil. Very right? rarely is a does a villain think he's a villain. Yes, exactly. He thinks you know, he's like the hero Thanos of his own story. A, wasn't a villain. Yes. He was like, I'm saving all of existence by wiping out a quarter of Everything that exists. Yes. To make more resources for everyone. I'm saving you. Yes. While killing your fucking family, your yes. best friend, your dog, everything. Yeah. The tree that you planted when your grandfather died. Yes. Gone. Gone. Yeah. But he, you know what I mean? He's a hero of his own story. Yes. You know, people, yeah, exactly. It's all, it all comes down to your own story and what story you want to leave behind. Because, you know, what I think of it as is like, you know, if we are all a paintbrush when we come in this world, and I think I actually wrote this in your outro, so you're going to hear it, but if we were all a paintbrush, right, and our life is the canvas, then it really comes down to what do you want to paint? Like most, so many people run away from what they don't want, but don't run towards what they want, right? And right. so it's like if you go through life telling the universe you want to talk about the secret and everything like that, like, oh, I don't want this. Well, I don't want that. I don't want that. I definitely don't want that to happen. And the universe is going, oh, well, that's don't. what you're focusing on, so yeah. you must want more of that, right? Right. And so that's like how these things happen, and it's so interesting too because because most people are unaware of their true power as the creator of their reality. That's what you're talking about at the beginning when yeah. you said like we're all God, everything is God. And so therefore we are able to manifest whatever we want into our daily lives and our reality. Mm -hmm. And like language is the spell work that actually creates what manifests yeah. in our reality. And so that's why like I'm so big on what Mark does with lifted, you know, language work because so many people frame their language. I mean, we can get down a rabbit hole on the whole conspiracy, you know, thing about the English language to begin with. But, yeah. you know, talking about how, like, when you say, like, well, I don't want that, it's like, well, what do you want? And most people are like, oh, yeah, they can give you a whole list of what they don't want. But when you ask what they do want, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting, man, because like, you know, when I meet people like you, right, that are out there crushing it, they're doing what they love, right? And they're moving through the messiness that is life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I love this whole concept of messy action, because I know as a recovering perfectionist, like you can, you can try to create perfection anywhere you want, but it's always a losing game because perfection is in the eye of the beholder, right? It's, it's, it's very important that people realize that because perfection is something made up. So this is for when people start talking about perfection for me, my favorite thing to tell them is I say, Hey, perfection's a direction, not a destination. Yes. I always say it's a comeback, not a yeah. go back too, to talk about your comeback, right? Like yeah. that's a mantra I say to myself all the time because, you know, sometimes I'll want to revisit, you know, patterns or things like that. I'll have my, I'll be, become aware of patterns that my mind is bringing me to like, Oh, do this again or do that again. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a comeback, not a go back. That didn't work before. I'm, right. I'm, I'm still figuring this out. Yeah. But I'm making it better, you know, yeah, it's a comeback, not a go back. And I love that dude. This has been such a blast getting the riff with you, man. I mean, I Hell feel like yeah. we could go for hours, you know, uh, like that's, that's literally hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that. It's yes, like that Donnie Darko, like, yes, yes. Like, well, yeah. We got a good vibe. We got to get you on this one time on psychedelics. Oh, next I would time. love you know, to riff to, on that for to, sure. To devolve on some of the crazy yes. things that, that I've seen in that world. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dude, where can I send people to learn more about you, to find you, to connect with you, to watch you? Like, do you have any fights coming up? Plug everything you got yeah. going on. I know you're big on ancestral wellness or ancestral supplements. I am. Um, I'd love you to pitch that too. Ancestral Supplements is a really cool 
um, company based in Texas and all of their, so it's pretty much desiccated, it is desiccated organs. You mm. know, it, it, what's really big right now is like a nose to tail carnivore diet. Yes. So, you know, in the spirit of Bruce Lee, you take what you like and you get rid of the rest. Am I a carnivore? I mean, no. Am I primarily animal based? Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is, well, with the carnivore, for that to succeed, you need to eat nose to tail to make sure you're getting the nutrient density. Mm. So why don't I just take the nutrient density from that diet, keep a, you know, a fairly animal based approach, eat the vegetables and the carbohydrates that I feel good with Mm -hmm. and move forward with it. So what they do is they, they source all their stuff, um, from Australia, which I guess the beef in Australia is run a lot tighter than the beef in America. Yeah. So it's grass fed beef from Australia. That's where all the organs are sourced. But I mean, I take the beef organ, the beef brain, the thyroid, uh, the, the tallow, like ancestral supplements is awesome. It's, it, it's fairly affordable. Of course, like, you know, it's not for everybody. It is a premium product, but if, if you want to take your nutrition and nutrition and your, the density of your nutrition to the next level, I would say ancestral supplements is a, is a great place to start and start with the beef organs, the beef liver. And if you have, you know, I, I like the uh, the adrenal support. Mm, you know what I mean? Because yes. I don't. I hate burning out, so I, I stay on top of that. And yeah. they're all about like supports like. So if you have systems that you need more support in your body, you eat the the organs of healthy animals to help support those systems. It's yes. kind of like you know all the building blocks you need for that parts for those parts to work better. Yeah. Uh, that being said, if you want to jump on my my social media, um, Instagram is is where I'm most active. I get a little help with some guys behind the scenes on that to really. Uh, keep a solid message going through that channel, but it's uh slippery Pete one forty five. If you want to check out my store and pick up some of my older fight shirts, some of the retro throwbacks, mm-hmm. it's slippery slipperiesworld.com. And then uh, you know, if you want to find me on Facebook or other social medias, just search Peter Barrett and find that handsome kid with the blue eyes and the dark hair. I don't know what to tell you. There's a lot of Peter Barrett, but there's only one me. (laughs) Well, Pete, I have one last question for you, man. If you're up for it, what do you say? Let's do it. All right. So if someone listening could only change one thing to highly optimize their life, what would slippery Pete Barrett suggest that change be? Salt water, Mm. salted water, salt water, not table salt. I'm talking about uh, real salt, Redmond sea salt, Mm -hmm. Any sort of pink Himalayan salt, you can't buy cheap sea salt anymore because the microplastics have have gotten to the sea salts. You know, yes. if you're if you're if you're getting the the dollar ninety nine sea salt from you know good value Walmart, <laughs> yeah. you're slowly killing yourself. Yes, but if you're getting you know you you can find ways to get really affordable pink salt from like Marshalls and TJX, mm-hmm. TJ Maxx. They've got a little kitchen section with super cheap pink salt. That's where I buy all mine, but you want to be consuming about five grams of salt a day and, uh, start salting your water, start salting your food. And, and that's a great place to start salt water. Yeah. And what a great piece of advice, man, because you know, I do the morning margarita every day, which is pink Himalayan salt, lemon and apple cider vinegar. Dude, that's how I make too. mine. Dude, I call yeah, it fire five, water. Bro. Cause I put cayenne hell pepper yeah, in that dude. shit. Yes. I, I all mean, the guys that I help fire water is a, a dude, a, a pivotal place to start. It's one of the best things because, you know, I actually heard this whole hypothesis or this theory from this guy. You might actually know about it. I wouldn't be surprised if you did this guy actually saying that water is the least hydrating thing on the planet. And mm. you're only, you're only drinking water to get the micronutrients. So that's why you have to drink so much water these days. Cause the water is mostly dead as opposed or in right. addition to pretty much all of our food because the soils are depleted. So therefore the plants that grow in the soils are depleted. The animals that eat the plants are depleted and then we're depleted because we eat those animals. Right. So it's so interesting that, you know, again, like attracts like, 
<laughs> Why do I get surprised by this anymore? Definitely. You know? So dude, this was so amazing. And you know, guys, when I was first introduced to Pete, I could tell just by the energy conveyed in our Instagram messages that we were going to have a strong connection for me. I love connecting to those individuals who see their lives as a canvas, themselves as the paintbrush, and are dedicated to making the most colorful work of art out of their experience of life possible. Pete is someone who has so much energy and passion for life, and it's infectious to anyone and everyone that is lucky enough to have him in their lives. If you listened to this episode and felt called to dive in deeper to his work, learn what products and practices he uses to stay in peak health, or are curious to connect with him, then hop over to his Instagram and make sure you keep a close eye on his work in the U.S. UFC, as his fight is only just beginning. Pete, thank you so much once again for sharing your time with the listeners and me today. And until next time, journey well, be well. Much love, brother. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.